Hello, I'm Kristen Perisonotto. And I'm Hannah Ferguson, and we're co-founders of Cheek Media Co. This is the Weekly Cheek Podcast. Our mothers, who are second-wave feminists, who are mm-hmm. now maybe financially conservative, fiscally conservative, vote liberal for that reason, yeah. are enraged. No, fuck off with your crying. If women cry and talking about their own assault, it's like, well, I don't know if I believe her because she's being a bit too emotional. My confusion, though, is like why Scott Morrison isn't doing anything because he is literally digging the biggest hole I've ever seen right now. Yeah. And it will keep going. Welcome back to the Weekly Chick podcast. In this episode, we talk about Sheryl Sandberg's brand of corporate feminism that we believe doesn't serve women as a whole. We once again talk about the updated mess that Canberra has found itself in and continues to find itself in. We talk about Tanya Plibersek potentially being the leader of the Labour Party and we cover the importance of making sure that your feminism is accessible and actually helps other women, not just yourself. We do talk a little bit about sexual assault and harassment in the workplace in the context of the allegations coming out of Canberra. However, we don't go into a lot of detail. Hope you enjoy the episode. Cheryl Sandberg. <laughs> For some reason, I just feel like saying, today we're going to be talking about Cheryl Sandberg. Today we're going to be talking about a lot of things, though. Yeah, we will be. I feel like our lean-in critique won't last more than, like, 15 minutes, to be honest. That's what yeah. I thought, too. So there has been, and we're not the first people to say this. Mm, even we're, though we are, we're actually quite the last. Yeah, exactly. We're groundbreaking in other areas. Yeah, we are. Um, but the Cheryl Sandberg feminism and the critiques of her book Lean In and the idea of just leaning in in mm. general is highly debated, I would say. Yeah, so Cheryl is the current chief operative, what is it called? Chief operating Chief Operations Officer. Chief Chief Operating Officer, that usually is? Or is it Operations? She's the 2IC for Facebook. Yeah, and there's been a lot of critique. I mean, I think she's faced a lot of backlash, which is where a lot of people have kind of come out and said um, her feminism, her brand of feminism is off. But mm. I think a lot of this sort of um, overturn and backlash has come following like her handling of the... Um, uh, interference that Russia had with Facebook in the meddling of the 2016 election, or the mm-hmm. alleged occurrence of that. No, mm-hmm. yeah, 2016. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of fuck ups at yep. Facebook essentially over the past few years. Um, but essentially, she has a very specific brand of corporate feminism, mm-hmm. which is geared at um, this idea that women um, don't know how to sort of negotiate a raise, don't know how to kind of enter boardrooms, do those power post stances in the bathrooms, like that sort of corporate feminism where it's all about work yep. and how to have a male attitude yep. in terms of to in order to achieve gender equality mm-hmm. um but i don't think that like her vision and her brand has moved the needle for overall gender equality no it's um and she the approach i describe her approach as kind of taking it on as your own fault mm-hmm. or responsibility so it's like oh well you didn't get a raise or you aren't getting paid as much as your male colleague then that's your problem Mm. and this is what you need to do to fix it which i think does work in i don't know i would say that it would work in like a more of a mentor mentee relationship Mm. if cheryl sandberg herself was sitting down with a young woman and said you know these are the three steps that you need to take so that you can get that raise that you deserve or you can get pay equity with your colleagues yeah but it doesn't work on a wider scale and it um, ignores the systemic issue and it puts, in my opinion, puts the blame and if not the blame, the responsibility on the individual women. When, you know, when one woman goes out to get a raise, 
on her own with a private closed door meeting that's actually not helping any other women yeah in her company in her industry in the world it's just an isolated event that doesn't have anything to do with the moving forward of society and that's the critique basically of um Sheryl Sandberg she also and I'm not exactly sure about the specifics but basically she argues that women can can have it all we can have careers and you know be a hands-on parent um, at the same time, however, neglects to mention that she has enough money to pay for full-time help with her children. Um, you know, people in different situations with a spouse, if they, you know, if their spouse um, like works or doesn't work, however much money they earn, all of that does, it's more than just, well, why don't you just try harder mm. to, you know, balance parenthood and your career. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it, um, I think, as you said before, it's not about um, sort of achieving gender equality for someone, for anyone beyond yourself. Mm. I think, and the thing is, is that it suits a very, very narrow audience in a very, very specific corporate setting. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think it's actually going to assist people. And I think what it does is it promotes women should take on more to achieve their own like full agency in yeah. a sense. Like you can have it all and you should have it all rather than, well, hang on, why don't we examine the roles that women play mm-hmm. and the roles that men play in Mm -hmm. domestic work like we need to look and analyze the differences instead of asking women to take on more so that what they can achieve fucking pay equality what's i have to be a full-time carer and a full-time worker that goes in there and you know you know bull in a china shop Mm -hmm. rustles up the courage there's this sort of threatening environment where like you can have it all if you're willing to have it all and like almost pushing like burnout culture yeah yeah it is big like hustle culture yeah vibes. and I'm, i mean that is for a very narrow portion of society mm. but also that's aimed at probably younger women who haven't had a family yet yeah i think that hustle culture um is most prevalent in women who are single you know living in major cities mm-hmm. um and feel like they have to work like I, I remember this is already going off topic but have you seen recently there's been a lot of goldman sachs um workers who've been coming out after doing a survey where they um, basically, yeah, they've surveyed a bunch of youth workers at Goldman Sachs who recently got like grad jobs mm-hmm. and they were averaging, following the survey, they averaged 95 hour work week. Oh my God. Yeah. And that was like, it was huge. And the thing was, is there was a lot of backlash from people like sort of like um, radio presenters and um, just general public figures who would come back and say, well, hang on, you do a 95-hour work week for Goldman Sachs for two years, you can get a job anywhere. Yeah. Because that's the way that... And I think it's more prevalent in America. Like, I think mm. that you know at consulting agencies everywhere in the world, those top-tier yep. firms, yep. I mean, any field that you have to do, there's a higher expectation for their graduates, and yeah. it's like the top level. Like, if you work for us and we're on your resume, mm-hmm. you're kind of set up, right? Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people are saying, well, like, we get it, but you expected this. This is the hustle culture that you expected a firm like this. Like, mm-hmm. shut your mouth, do it for a couple of years, get out yeah but i think still think that's not right that's not no. doesn't make a 95 hour work week okay but i think it's the same sort of cultural shift and mm-hmm. dynamic and expectation that exists and the same sort of thing with lean in exactly. like you can have it all and you can negotiate your way to the top as a woman like okay yes yeah sure absolutely that's not really moving towards gender equality no that's pushing yourself to a brink which is actually worse than the brink that males experience because they don't have the housework and the mental load in, in most circumstances. Yeah. And they don't take it on in the same way women do. Exactly. So the burnout is increased. Yes. And I think the other thing is um, also with with this kind of culture, it's not 
I mean, I think that it could work for people. Like I can actually imagine being someone who would, that would work for. I could do a 95 hour work week for a couple of years if the, it, I saw that it would get me the, like, to the place where I wanted to. Mm. Um, I wouldn't because <laughs> at this point, well, and I don't even say at this point, I've always been the person who's like, no, that's unacceptable. Mm. But I could do it for a period of time. And I'm sure there are lots of people. You just mean could. physically you could survive. Yeah, yeah. I could survive um, if I knew there was an end date. But for a lot of people, there's no end date. And then for I, the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think we can hold people accountable because I actually know women who um, are big, like really into Sheryl Sandberg, think she's mm. great because their her brand works for them. And this might be women who, like you said, haven't had kids yet or don't plan to have kids or are really, really into their job, like their job is their life. And so it does actually work for some people. And I think that's fine kind of, you know, on its own in a vacuum. It's fine that some people, and I don't want to hold those people, you know, up and be like, you're doing the wrong thing Mm. um, because I don't think that's productive or right. But I think that more in general, the critiques of Sheryl Sandberg's, in quotes, feminism, is that it's actually not really collective feminism it's more like um and that's what she sold it as she sold it as as feminism and what it actually is is niche advice for a very specific audience who it might work for for a time or maybe for their whole life but it's actually not anything really groundbreaking and it's not really about changing any culture yeah because i think the thing with Sheryl sandberg is a lot of people have praised her because she is like a woman who's made it big to i see at facebook is you know almost as high as you can go really mm. apart from being the boss and yeah she copes with zuckerberg <laughs> exactly um how weird was it when he drank that water that that's all i think about when what i about think about the surfing him. photo oh my god <laughs> he's just an odd people are funny character people are funny but they bring her out as like the reasonable one usually. yes yeah yeah so she's um obviously held to a very high standard and our critiques i don't i mean i can only speak for myself you can say your own piece but i don't really i'm not trying necessarily to critique her specifically i think she represents something exactly she represents something i think she is quite tone deaf when it comes to these things and she probably doesn't realize well she obviously didn't if she wrote that book and was just like wow Mm. (laughs) i'm so helpful um but she reminds me of julie bishop a bit red shoes what's her perfume called j bish <laughs> when you Google her, it's one of the first things that come up comes up her perfume. I've been thinking about Julia Bishop's interview with Lee Sales on mm-hmm. ABC for weeks now. Yeah, because um, and if you don't know what happened, it was essentially after the Britney Higgins um story allegation came out. Um, Bishop was interviewed by Lee Sales, and they spoke about you know Julia Bishop's experience in that cultural paradigm in mm-hmm. Parliament, and um talked a lot about one of the things that Julie Bishop said was like referred to as like a big swinging dicks club. Mm-hmm. That was hashtag trending on Twitter for Did like a Julie while. Did Julie Bishop say those words? She said big <laughs> swinging dicks and she managed to make a joke afterwards like basically saying like yeah they wish it was big sort of oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. She, she said that. Okay. Um, and which, uh, That's why I watched it because I heard that she said that and I was like really? And I yeah. watched it yeah she does say it. Okay that's funny. But she's the current Chancellor of the Australian National University in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Um, she was obviously, I think she was Australia's first foreign minister. First woman. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> the first ever. But they created the role just for her. <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's so embarrassing. First woman to hold the position. Yeah, first woman to hold the position. Duh. 
<laughs> but essentially, she's kind of come out now. Like every, I mean, look, I'm one of the. I actually am more willing than you are to say I understand when women are in a party and they tow the party line for years and shut their mouths, mm. and then they come out later and crucify. But also the male politicians do the same thing. Turnbull, Rudd. Yeah. Honestly, I know, the, I know. the quietest ex-prime minister is Julia Gillard. Yeah. Do you notice that? Yeah, but she was doing it while she was in the position. Yes. But sorry, that's not my critique of her. Yeah, my no, critique know, is but, that but a like, lot of politicians come out. Like yeah. Turnbull comes out and goes, I'm not going to hang around like a bad smell like Abbott. Yeah. And then he hangs around like a bad smell. And I'm not. So, I'm actually glad that he is. Yeah. I'm well, glad that he's, he's hanging, hanging around, around in a different way than Tony Abbott. I think Tony Abbott was hanging around in like this weird resentful way. And like, also he was part, still doing, he was still an elected yes. member. Yeah. I'm glad that Turnbull's around. Malcolm, if you're listening, I would love to meet you. I'm yeah. a bit of a fangirl. Gillard, you too. Reach out to But they all kind of hang around and they actually finally get to put their two cents in about how they really feel about the party. But Julie Gillard did that. No, agreed. That's that's the difference. Totally agreed. And I know that you're not disagreeing with me. But I think that she um, was so tired of trying. And I Mm. think now, if I was her, I'd be sitting back like, (laughs) 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 finally, watching them tear themselves to shreds. Because the thing is, is that, and also, I know this from the content we've been, we've been producing. Mm-hmm. People recognize that Gillard has been fucked over so, mm. exp- like, immeasurably compared to the like the way yeah. that these men are being treated yeah. by the media. Many years later, yes, after everyone's been shrieking about it for like half yes. a decade. Now they're like, oh, I see why it might have been like hard you can see where it started. Yeah. Um, and the sexism is just rife. Like, it's so obvious to me that the way she was treated was so wrong. And then the way that we look at the sort of comparative and the way we're speaking about men. Yeah. I think something that's really interesting. Oh, I knew we were going to come back to the current issues. I'm sorry I always do this. <laughs> it's so, hard, we can't not. Something I really want to talk about as well is something that I think went quite unnoticed by the media and the public was when Scott Morrison was interviewed by Tracy Grimshaw on a current affair this week. Was mm-hmm. it a current affair? It's really weird that he agreed to do that. Was that a kind of fair? He doesn't know what he's doing. So strange. He just keeps doing these but random But you know things. that when Channel 9 is di- like ripping someone, yeah. a liberal politician, yeah. shit's fucked, right? Yeah. Sorry, I keep swearing. Um, Hurts my ears, Hannah. It does, it would. It's really unattractive for ladies. good Christian swears. ears. Um, <laughs> when Morrison spoke to Tracy, mm-hmm. they someone created a list of how he referred to each like two, two people that yep. he worked with. Mm-hmm. And there was like a column A, which was like the men he spoke about. And then mm-hmm. there was a column B, which was the women. Yeah. And when he spoke about the men, the references were like Mr. Porter, the commissioner, the attorney general, mm-hmm. Mr. Porter, Mr. Short. Yeah. Shorten. Yeah. I was going to say Shortman. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Mr. Shorten, Mr. Albanese. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it was referred to. And then you look at the female column. Yeah. Jenny, Tracy, Brittany, Jenny, Tracy, Brittany, my grandma, yeah. Julie, <laughs> Linda. Julia, Linda. <laughs> That's exactly... There was no titles. Mm. Whereas, like, the commissioner, the attorney general, Mr. Porter, you know. Interesting. And I just think little things telling. like that are mm. so telling. Yep. Of the culture. Mm-hmm. When we go back to Julie Bishop, I understand why we a lot of politicians can't speak out. Especially, like, she was under the Abbott government. She was, like, the deputy PM to Abbott. Is that true? Yes. And she was the deputy PM to Malcolm. To Malcolm. And I also found it really interesting because... Frankly, I think Turnbull is quite a champion of women. He did much more for women than Julie Bishop ever did. Yes. But, but also, why she didn't, didn't she step up when he when she was under him? Exactly. But one of the comments that I noticed was that when the um, leadership spill occurred in, was it 2018, where Malcolm was kicked yeah. and Scott got in, mm-hmm. 
Malcolm said in an interview, like someone, I think Leah Sale said to him, like, what about Julie Bishop? And he was like, oh, she would never have got the votes. Yeah. And Malcolm is not someone who's just going to kick the female under the rug sort of thing in that capacity. Like, he's not going to just, like, discount her because she's a woman. I think there's a general consensus there. I thought it was more a comment about the general, like, the fact that the party would never elect a woman. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Within that party, Julie was never going to garner the votes. And I think that's a comment on the tokenistic existence of her in the party yes exactly that she just they needed like now let's think about it who is the highest woman in the liberal party right now it's michaelia cash yeah yeah because she was just appointed the attorney general role mm. was she has she been appointed i don't She's think acting, it's been confirmed but they're going to shuffle it yeah essentially yeah it's been it's been reported that it will be her yeah she's not suitable for the attorney general if i no. say so myself but i think the fact that you have to literally think quite hard and i don't think that in the general public, if you pick someone off the street, mm. they would be able to say, oh, name a woman in the Liberal Party besides Linda Reynolds because of what's happened. Well, I was going to say, Michaela Cash was never on my radar Neither. until the Porter thing happened. Neither. I, couldn't, I, I was just like, what are the women in the Liberal Party? Before, that's exactly the same. Before, yeah, it literally, if you asked me five weeks ago to name a woman in the Liberal Party, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I, Deb Frecklington. <laughs> but she <laughs> stayed. <laughs> Yeah, she's the LNP. Sorry, I, I was just going to say... My dad will come for me. I, oh. know it, I know the LNP is different to the Liberals. Sorry, I didn't. I mean, I did, but I knew it's separate. I, I understand, but I don't yeah. really think about it when I name. Like I, Well, but- it's um tidbit for the listeners, <laughs> in case you don't know, which I didn't, so... Um, the coal- the federal coalition is made up of two separate parties, the Liberal Party and the National Party. They're still their own parties. However, in Queensland, and no other states is this a thing, in Queensland, the Liberals and the Nationals combined and they are one party and it's the LNP. Right. So when we refer to it at a federal level, it should be referred to as the coalition. Yes. And then at a state level, it's the LNP. Yes. And then not to be confused with, because when we refer to the coalition, it's actually the Liberal Party that are having this, these problems at the moment. I mean, I'm not here to say that the National Party is innocent because I'm sure that they're not, mm. but they are not the people who are, you know, under the radar right now. I guess it's easier to say LNP because it feels like you're just, like, cl- like clag-gluing yeah. them together. Yeah. But well, that makes perfect like sense the, there. It is different. Exactly. The Liberal National Party versus the Liberal and National Parties, which are yes. federal. But it's confusing for us in Queensland because Queensland is the only place that have an LNP. Yeah. Where And it's actually different to... It is what it is on a federal. Actually, level. makes perfect sense now because I have created memes that have said LNP, and I wondered why people were confused. Well, yeah. Well, if they're not in Queensland, they're probably they like, "What's know that?" It. Yeah, yeah, and you exactly. shouldn't. I shouldn't be referring to LNP in a federal election sort of capacity either. Well, when yeah. you um, and when the federal election happens, you'll start to see like the yard signs and everything, and all of the conservatives, the coalition, they'll either have national or liberal. Yeah. On they won't have LNP. LNP, and they won't have the coalition. It'll be for their specific parties yeah this makes perfect sense yes um anyway so julie bishop well i don't i have said this already i think that i hold women to a higher standard than men which is not very good but i'm recognizing it so it's okay um but i just don't think it's acceptable for a woman who has gotten that far to then be so like not a champion of women's rights and the thing is, is that she's an esteemed, successful, professional woman, and she has been exposed to and heard things that are 100% worse than we could even possibly imagine. Oh, yeah, for sure. Imagine. Like spending that much time under governments like Abbott? Yeah. Awful. I Well, the media heard enough about it. The public heard enough about it. The famous misogyny speech. <sighs> I thought you were going to recite it then. <laughs> Everyone is in their head right I now. I could do it. <laughs> 
but it's it's just to me it's unacceptable and it's actually even because the argument i guess is it's either like you believe in trickle-down feminism and you think that the fact that a woman is there at all is helpful to other women whereas i actually think it's the opposite because it's worse because she is a token woman that the liberals could or used to be able to lean on and say well we have a woman up Mm. here look at her but it's but they're actually not like they're still acting in a way that is you know the culture is bad there's lots of harassment that things are getting covered up the culture towards women is terrible but the voters are not privy to that because they see a woman then like well if they have a woman then i'm sure that they're it's fine like she wouldn't be there if so i think it's worse to have a tokenistic woman like you know smiling and waving next to the prime minister like i it kills me every time i see i watch the misogyny speech and watch julie bishop just sitting there behind glazed glazed yeah and outrageous truly actually this um I sent you an article yesterday, I don't know if you read it, but I really enjoyed it, by Catherine Murphy, who's the um, sort of the chief political editor for The Guardian Australia. Mm-hmm. And she's been everywhere for the past six weeks. Obviously, she's the chief fucking political editor for The Guardian, yeah. but she's been interviewed on Four Corners. She was on um, Insiders with David Spears. Mm-hmm. She was on everything. She's covering everything, and she's doing a fucking brilliant job of it, to be honest. She wrote an article yesterday, and one of the quotes that I thought was absolutely brilliant, and I'd never, I, I, I don't know why I couldn't reach this conclusion on my own, not not I don't have the capacity clearly the mental capacity <laughs> but when I read it I thought oh my god why have I never thought about this before and it was this it was that this idea that she was saying Scott Morrison speaks to one group of Australians and that yeah. is men at risk of voting labor and she made this really good reference to like what she said was um if you feel like you didn't haven't noticed this before it's probably because you're one of these men that's a swinging voter and you bask in the sort of warmth of Morrison's constant attention yeah because and, and I think what she, what she talked about really well and, and, and wrote about in like such an interesting capacity was Morrison's next move will be to reach out to the quiet Australians that he refers to quite often, mm. the people that don't kick up a stink, yeah. the ones and especially the women that might be beginning to sort of, you know, the cogs are turning on this issue. Yeah. I'm not saying they're stupid, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of people that don't really engage in politics. They mm-hmm. voted Liberal Labor all their life. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. In terms people of- who might not have, until this point, have put together the news that we're seeing and yeah. what they're going to do when they get to the polling booth. Exactly. Um, and I think that those are the people who he's going to cater to next. Yeah. Um, and when I read that, I was like, that is so... It doesn't seem like a difficult thought, but I'd never really... that, that It struck me. I just thought... This is exactly why we feel ignored. Mm. The reason that we feel like... I mean, one, I think it's... I've just put it down to incompetency. Mm-hmm. I thought, he's not doing anything because he just doesn't... He's incompetent or he doesn't even recognise the gravity of the issue. Or the issue at all. Yes, exactly. And he doesn't. Like, literally, on so many interviews the past few days, he said, like, you know, I found it difficult to understand and I'm trying to get it. He is so oh far my God, behind. It's not he that hard. so far behind, right? And then you've got interviews where he's having with, like, Ray Hadley, where Ray gets on and he's like, don't worry, I'm not here to, you know, get you. Why, Why not? not? <laughs> and he's Why like, thanks, not? Ray. The footy's back on. It helps everyone. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Again. Blokes don't always say Who right is thing. he speaking to? Yeah. What portion of Australia is he speaking to? But my question now is, is that portion big enough to win him an election? No. no. I don't think it is. But maybe he hasn't gotten that far with his in his brain yet. Because I don't think, like, I genuinely don't think that there's the portion of people that are at risk of voting 
labor i think those people are not at risk they are now yeah well i'd yeah, like to believe late. they are yeah and when i think about these quiet australians especially the women that he's trying to talk to mm-hmm. i can't the thing is is that i think that what he is what that means is the more conservative older women yeah right who yeah. are probably white collar or don't mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. women um who are upper class yeah that's who i presume that category of person is and i might be wrong but my thought is my grandmother is definitely one of those people. Mm-hmm. But my thought is, is that I can't even imagine her voting Liberal next election. Because really? I think that my mother, who is a swing voter, mm-hmm. will not vote Liberal. Yeah. I think that there are lots of women who are our mothers, who are second wave feminists, who mm-hmm. are now maybe financially conservative, fiscally conservative, vote Liberal for that reason, yeah. are enraged. Yeah. I truly believe that a lot of people our mom's age mm-hmm. are going to be on the Labour side. Yeah. I think the swing is bigger than he can even fathom yeah i don't know maybe i'm wrong the wa election obviously is in another category itself it was a state election Mm -hmm. but that really communicated something to me yeah one it's definitely about the way that um mark mcgowan's handled covid Mm. he's done a really great job west australia's looking great yeah but i think it was a landslide because of the current climate yes also just before it scomo announced those cheap flights and he exclude he there weren't many available in wa so i think mm. that was like a very recent and i think that probably got people over the line who weren't as outraged because christian porter lives in wa yes that was a huge part of it and i think that that communicated to me at least that there mm-hmm. is a huge um sort of reflex in terms of liberal voters going oh no yeah especially so close now the issue is that we're going we're going to face is how far away is the next election yeah i mean it's going to be as far as possible mm. if he has a any type of thought <laughs> allegedly mm. <laughs> yeah he's going to make it wait he's going to wait and as long as possible the other thing is because we're, we're wondering like or i have been and we were talking about it earlier are the libs going to have a spill, spill? Um, who is available to take the place because I believe that probably the people who would be most likely to go for it would be Dutton and Frydenberg. Um, the party won't choose Dutton, I don't think, because they would know. I think they would know that Australia won't vote for him. But Frydenberg has kind of been in the spotlight quite a bit lately. He's been in the media. I think that he comes across better than ScoMo. He's much better in the media. He's a bit younger, I believe, or he looks, looks mm. to be a bit younger, so he might. And then, and we wrote a few articles about this and talked about this um, a few weeks slash months ago. And we don't like it was unconfirmed then, and it's still unconfirmed whether Labor will have a spill and whether Plibersec might become the Labor leader. Mm. As time goes on, I I think it's less likely that's going to happen. Um, and something that I was concerned about that I said to Hannah is that because of all of the those spills that we had a few years ago, like there was so many in the space of one. Um, you know, a year even, or a couple of years, um, is that the Australia got sick of it and they ended up voting in the party that had the least spills. Yeah. And um, my concern is that if the Liberals have a spill and then Labor want to have a spill as well and they have it afterwards, that the most recent spill in the public's mind is going to be Labor. So they might be Labor, they might be inclined to vote Liberal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because we're getting closer and closer to a potential election and the talk about Plibersec possibly um, gunning for the leadership has been going on for a while, I don't know if it's going to happen. What if Albanese just stood down and said a woman should be in the position? Well, that's what I think that they'd need to do. Did we talk about this? Did you did you plant that seed in my mind? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Just wanna... It's okay. <laughs> credit where credit is due, Queen. <laughs> Thanks, Queen. I literally um, was sitting there like, I'm pretty sure that Albanese would have to resign 
yeah and say like i didn't say that specifically i said that the way that they could do it would be for them to say this we like labor believes that a woman should be at the in the lead in this time this is wrong but i have this feeling that if that was to happen a lot of men in australia maybe not not the portion i respect would think Oh, gender equality. Yeah, it's more. It's another step towards women's supremacy. Right, and like, what doesn't mean he's in like as in saying I think that would be them thinking Labor was weak for doing that or tokenistic, which probably in a sense it is tokenistic. But I think that sometimes you need tokenism to in order as the first step. I think that if the election was in the next six months, Albanese would 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 win in a landslide. Oh yeah, for sure. If only. Um, So there is a. I'm going to get up the quote. Because, so it's it's started coming out, and this actually hasn't got much media time, um, is that there is a f- private Facebook group for full of Labour staffers and ex-staffers where women are sharing their experiences of being harassed and I don't know if it's assaulted or if it's just harassed and bad misogynistic culture in the Labour Party. So the ABC reported on this and the Labour leader... Um, Anthony Albanese said the following. This is a direct quote. Harassment and sexist behavior and indeed patriarchy doesn't exist just on one side of politics. It exists throughout society. What we need to do is make sure that we listen to the concerns that are put forward and respond. So first of all, the thing that first struck me is this is a very, very, very contrasting um, uh, kind of sentiment to compared to scomo Mm. obviously and that's like kind of the whole point of labor is they don't they want to distance themselves obviously so a lot of this is spin but the mention of patriarchy i actually thought that was quite something Mm. like i really noted that i was like i don't think they 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 stray from words like that so often because it's like yeah it's too far left yes very strong word it's a buzzword for them to be yeah exactly and he didn't even contextualize it within this quote he just said it. he just kind of like dropped the bomb and then like scooted and he put it in the same i'll read the sentence again harassment and sexist behavior and indeed patriarchy so and to me i know it's not the definition of the word but when i hear the word patriarchy i'm thinking like down with the patriarchy Mm. fuck the patriarchy and so i think that yeah obviously very purposeful use of that word so i think that he is um, doing this, doing the right thing from you know a like an outsider perspective, and in terms of what he's putting forward to the media is the right thing to do. Um, but like I wrote an article about this, which I'll uh, link in the description. But is good enough? Good enough, yeah. basically. So is it enough that he is giving a vast, vastly different response to ScoMo? Um, Labor has actually been like Labor, particularly in Australia, Palaszczuk joined the March for Justice. She joined that whole, she posted a lot of things on her social media content that's kind of, that was, you know, along the sentiment of like, this enough is enough. Like we can't have violence Mm. against women. Women deserve to be um, safe in their workplace, all of these kinds of sentiments. And so has federal Labor. However, I just wonder if this was more of, if this wasn't to do with, 
cases in the literal government would Labor have a stance because their stance is so easy now because they their stance is anti-liberal whatever the liberals aren't doing but I actually believe that they are kind of taking it a step further than they in quotes have to for Mm. the optics Um, and I think this is an opportunity for federal Labor to kind of gain back the strength that they have lost over the last couple of years which is why they've they lost the last election Um, maybe not the one before that Anyway, but very long-winded blabbering from me to say, should Plibersek, like what, how much of a difference would it be if Plibersek was the leader? I think that we're ready for her, much more ready than we were for Julia Gillard. Yeah. And because every time I look at this news, I'm just like, well, what is the outcome here? Like, what do we need for something to, for me to feel like, oh, this has all been worth something? And is like is a woman prime minister, another woman prime minister, or even like a woman opposition, the first step? I actually think that it could be quite meaningful. I think so too. And Plibersek's not a Julie Bishop. I'm just really scared that by this time next year, if they call the election, then that it will have passed. That she'll lose. Yeah, I'm, and I don't think I could take that. No, I mean, I don't. I think that the second i think that it would put us back many many years in the quest for a second woman prime minister oh, also be blamed she'd be blamed she'd probably be she would definitely glass, lose the leadership what's it called the glass cliff yeah the glass cliff exactly i read an article about this many weeks ago as well at the start of the year that was basically arguing i said i don't think this is my personal opinion i don't think that plebiscite should be the leader unless they know she can win or are pretty sure she can win because putting a woman at the front particularly if it's going to be at a late hour who loses it's going to be the blame's going to be placed on her she won't be the leader she has no chance ever again of being the leader I think Plibersek will win if it's in the next six to nine months. Mm. I'm just really concerned about this time in 12 months. My confusion, though, is, like, why Scott Morrison isn't doing anything because he is literally digging the biggest hole I've ever seen right now. Yeah. And it will keep going. Unless he turns up tomorrow and is like, fine, we're completely reconstructing from the base, which he He won't won't do. No. I don't see how if, honestly, if Liberal win again... I don't, I don't, I don't, I will feel so helpless. Well, I was actually thinking the other day and I don't, I have, for some reason, I haven't thought about this very much lately, but I was like, wow, I live in a country, a first world, very privileged country where the prime minister does not, literally doesn't give a shit about me from his actions. And I don't believe I'm so sick of this, like apologetic kind of line of thinking where it's like, oh, he just doesn't get it. No, like we're, People have given him ample opportunities to get it, but he refuses to. He's not even trying, but he says that he's trying. He's like, we're listening. I'm listening. I'm very upset by this. I'm trying to do this. Blokes don't always say the right thing. That's a literal quote from him. It's like, you're not even, no, you're so upset. Do you know another thing that I'm really annoyed about? I don't know if I want to. No, I will. I will. I am so sick of these men getting up in front of the public and crying mm. about how harassment, rape, sexual assault is impacting their career. I know. Like, actually, st- no, do not fucking cry about that. We saw it with Christian Porter. We saw it with ScoMo, nearly cried. And then, I don't know if you, you don't follow YouTube drama, but David Dobrik. Oh, 
I've heard about this. He cried in an apology because one of his friends who he's been protecting and giving a platform allegedly sexually assaulted a woman and there is vlog footage of a lot of it. Not the actual sex, but like the whole night. Yeah. Um, and he got up there and cried and was like, oh, he's been my friend for many years and I, my childhood would just really hurt me. I could." And pe- women have been telling him that this man is bad news, to put it very lightly, for seven years. And he's just like, oh, I just didn't believe, I didn't want to believe that my friend, I'm like, no, fuck off with your crying. Women go up, if women cry and talking about their own assault, it's like, well, I don't know if I believe her because she's being a bit too emotional. I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm all for, you know, men need to show their emotions, yes. But what are you actually, are you crying about your own career in the face of an assault, alleged assault, rape, alleged rape? terrible culture like what are you actually what are you upset about you're not upset about the fact that women have to go through it you're upset about the fact that now you have to stand up there and say something about it because it's yucky fuck you fuck you no more men crying bring back internalized toxic masculinity like literally like number one for women i think in media training don't cry don't cry yeah for men the number one thing is if you've done something wrong cry cry because people feel bad for you. Yes, because people feel worse for men when they do when they cry. That was very inefficient for... It didn't work for Christian Porter. Everyone who talked about him crying, they were like, hmm, why would you cry if you're... <laughs> it, I'm so over it too. Again, I'm like so resigned to these things. Like yeah. I, I know something's really wrong and I know I'm so impacted mentally by this because I'm not enraged. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm like... Resigned. And that's not the place I want to get to. No, of course not. I mean, I didn't watch the most recent um, Four Corners because mm. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, so let's just change gears a bit to something a bit lighter. Mm, yes, yeah, uh, I never <laughs> want to talk about that stuff. It just comes up because I'm so I don't realize how you know when you don't realize how much you need to talk about something until you start. You're like, fuck, it's all pouring yeah. out. Mm. It's also relevant. Like we ha- we are not going to stop talking about this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So because we, I like, I feel anyway that lots of people have stopped or have stopped thinking about it but like we need to stay engaged unfortunately and i understand the trauma that is associated with these issues and that people um need to disengage for their own safety Mm -hmm. the issue is is that the people that should be engaging who haven't experienced these things are the people who aren't exactly exactly um and we actually i sent hannah a reel there's a woman on instagram oh my god There is a woman on Instagram who is a men's mental health expert and I don't know what her qualifications are, but basically she, she posted a reel, um, a few days ago and said that, and I don't actually know if she's Australian, her accent sounded South African to me, but I couldn't find any evidence. Um, but she spoke about, was talking about how, oh, we're talking about, um, uh, sexual assault and harassment and men's kind of place in this conversation in the news a lot lately and that and people are saying that men need to be having these conversations and engaging with them and then she said what i what is a more pressing issue is that men who are involved in these conversations are having mental health problems because they um, they feel bad because it's not about them because they would never do anything. She literally said that it was that was a more pressing issue. It was more pressing that we protect these men who are getting upset by these conversations than to involve men in the conversations. She sounded like Pauline Hanson. She did actually. And to that, it's an anti-men campaign. <laughs> 
And I immediately think, so men who have, I'm not belittling men's mental health at all, but men who develop or report serious mental health issues following a conversation like this, to me, as soon as I hear that, I'm like, well, what did you do? What have you done? You have done something. Alternatively, men who have suffered mental health issues, Mm -hmm. right, maybe... Um, had traumatic experiences in their childhood where they were sexually abused, yep. uh, just generally abused, physically abused as children, by who? Yeah. Other men. Oh, my God. And it's like on International Men's Day, I noticed that like a lot of um, men, and fair enough, I'm really glad that, that some people do engage with that sort of International Men's Day instead of complaining about International Men's Day on International Women's Day. <laughs> Where they come out and say, you know, we're never talking about these stats. This many men go to jail um, more than, you know, the percentage of men who go to jail versus women who go to jail. Yeah. The percentage of men who are like have experienced abuse as a child, have been raped, have mental health issues. And my thing is, when I read this, is I'm like, why is that? That is because of patriarchy. Yeah, exactly. That is because of the way you were raised to, um, you know, treat a confrontation and, and respond to things with violence. Mm-hmm. You have been abused as a child or your role models have been abu- abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these things that I'm like, it comes back to what men teach men as exactly. well. Like, yeah. It's as if they're trying to offset and alleviate some guilt by saying, well, you know, men, men experience too. more violent crimes than women. And you're yeah. like, from, from fucking, other men. Who's the perpetrator? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I'm here for this energy queen. And another thing, that's a woman saying that. <laughs> like, um, if a man was making these reels and in that position like that, everyone would kind of be just like, okay. okay. <laughs> but as a woman, I'm just like, Ugh. like you are specifically, and again, this is not about her stance as a men's health professional at all, but you are specifically like, you have a lot of internalized misogyny to work on clearly, but you are specifically holding women accountable for this. And do you know what she said in another reel that I don't think I sent you? She said that we're not giving men the support that they need. All women fucking do is give men support. It's our whole fucking design. Isn't exactly. It? That's it's literally the-, the point of us. Well, the moment it is, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> no, I was like, I was so outraged by this. I was like, ah, uh, wrong, wrongo, as the Grinch would say. We are, we require support at this time and we are still giving it to men. All the men who are like, well, that's yucky. I don't like that. My boyfriend is becoming the biggest man hater I know. <laughs> yeah, so the, is mine. I feel really these, bad. Literally, like once a day he'll be like, oh, fucking men. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Do it and again. usually I'm like, until, you know, these recent allegations, I am have always been the person who's like, it's not really that productive to like, you know, be do this like fuck men thing. Like I don't, even though I feel like it sometimes, I actually don't feel like it's productive in the long run yeah. and in a wider, like I think it's more productive to involve as many people as possible in a conversation and bring them in in way, bring different types of people in, in ways that is going to resonate with them in order to get the best outcome. But in recent times, it's just getting more and more difficult to do so. The another piece of advice she gave, which is a really funny one. She said like to check in with men your that, that when when you check in with men, I don't know if I sent you this one. Um, you need to give them the space to talk about their feelings. Oh, and then, we don't listen to them properly. We need to wait 20 seconds. We need to wait 20 seconds. <laughs> just like, imagine just like pouring out your heart and then having like your partner just like staring at you for 20 <laughs> seconds like one two before responding. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that video and she also said, um, we should email her, see if she wants to come on. We should. Pod. I feel um, like she won't. 
We should give her an opportunity, though. Yeah. She also recommended, like, she one of the things she said, which is actually just ridiculous to me, she said, often when men open up to us, we respond with, like, a similar or a like experience as a form of understanding. Mm. But what this does is it degrades the sharing that the men has done, like, what they've shared with you or, like, communicated to you. Yeah. No, it's a proven technique to help the conversation flow. Yeah. Is for someone to say, hey, I've had this experience. And you might mm-hmm. say, hey, I know someone had a similar thing. I understand what you're going through. So they don't feel totally alone. Exactly. Yes, it's not appropriate in every situation to counter a story with another story. But do you know what men anecdotally I have heard do when women say, oh, I got sex. Like someone in the valley last night walked past me and grabbed my bum mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. It was really gross. Do you have heard men say men? It's like, oh, my mate Dave does that sometimes. It's not really a big deal. He's just really drunk. And it's just, I'm sure it wasn't, I'm sure he didn't mean it in that way. Like, that's what actually happens. It's not women trying to take the blame away because women are built, as you said, to be empathetic, supportive, and provide people around us, most of the time men, because usually the other women in our lives are doing it for themselves, mm-hmm. with support and a safe space. Yeah. That's BS, lady, calling you out. BS. We're not going to say your name. Because I don't remember it right and now. And I don't want people to watch your videos. No. Quite frankly. No. You don't get the clicks. No clicks for no you. No clout. <laughs> Negative clout. <laughs> I'm going to block her so that my likes go away. I didn't like it. Don't worry. I was going to say. What? No. <laughs> my views. I don't know if it works if we're blocked. I don't Negative think it does. Views. It's happened. Okay. I'm going to hack into Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> How would you possibly? As if we could affect our views. I wish we could. I wish we could. Okay. So before I Sorry. went on that tangent, I was going to say. So we've talked a little bit on the podcast, and I think this is very topical for what we're talking about amongst our tangents that we've gone on today, mm. is women who, this is my analogy, and how I liked it, so I'm going to say it again for the pod. Women who smash the glass ceiling and then pull up the ladder behind them so that no woman can get as far as they got. Fucked up. And this kind of does go back a bit, and I don't really want to like necessarily say that Sheryl Sandberg does this because I actually don't know enough about her and I'm not sure if she does this I actually would say that she's probably the type of woman who has lots of mentees who are women yes um so not we're not but it it relates back to that topic that we covered at the start of the podcast and I have actually worked with women who are like this Mm. where they don't they don't um even understand the relevance of the fact that they are a woman in like a more senior position. Yeah. Like it's just not really a, a point. Oh, not on their radar. Not on their radar, no, because it's never affected them. Yes. And that might be because... And they probably don't think gender inequality exists. No, probably not. They just not. got there. Yeah, they just worked really hard and it's all about individual effort, mm-hmm. um, which is a lot of... Which like, is the brand. Exactly. It's not it maybe really what is. Sheryl Sandberg does, but it's what she sells. Yes, exactly. Well, that's a very privileged... I actually noticed um, this, and I might write an article about it, is that the very... It really, really annoys me. The people with the most privilege in this world are the people who genuinely think that they've got what they've got because of hard work. Yes. Which is so ridiculous. And then you see so many... And I remember this going around Instagram a little while ago, this like hustle culture, like speaking to um, people in low low SES areas. And it's just like, well, if I... Like, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to do this and I'm going to work three jobs Mm. so that I can get ahead. Where it's like, actually, you you won't be able to because of the classist systems that we you know, kind of are living in. Um, And then there's people who are of, you know, the utmost privilege in the world who write books about like how you just have to hustle and you just have to work hard and then you can do whatever you want because that's truly what they believe they've done, which is comical. Anyway, um, yes, so 
women and I think that Hillary Clinton is a really good example of someone whose brand is the opposite of this because a lot of and you can I don't I mean you can say what you want to say about Hillary Clinton she's obviously in a very privileged position but her whole brand is like um what did she say when she didn't win the presidency? Like the glass ceiling isn't shattered, but, but it has a lot of cracks. cracks. Yeah. And she is definitely someone who um, talks a lot about like, you can't just get there on you by your, like you can't just get there for you. You need to make sure that other women can follow in your footsteps. And Kamala Harris said this famously about her mum. Her mum said to her, you might be the first, um, you know, woman of color to do mm. all of these things, but you have to make sure that you're not the last. Yeah. And I think that so many women are unfortunately like usually white privileged um, upper class women just get to the spot that they want to get to get there on their own and then either refuse to help other women or even ensure that other women can't get up there with them. Yeah. And probably because it makes them look better. I don't even know. You, You said it really perfectly, Queen. Thanks, Queen. I know someone who has gotten into quite a senior position at work and she is maybe 34, 35. So she's quite young. She has a son who's 10. So she, or about 10. um, So she had some leave and I asked her about it once. And I said, like, when you came back after, you know, having your child, mm. how did you kind of navigate the workplace? Like, how, because her career did not slow down. Mm. And I was like, how do you do that? And she said, I didn't accept anything but the same treatment as before. And she only had like six months off, I think, like definitely on the lower end of um, maternity leave. And she came back and she just kept acting exactly the same and re- like requested, even demanded the same treatment. And all of the other things that she, Um, has spoken about and the way that I see her moving about the world is I just think I just look at it and think you're just acting like a guy like you're acting like a man in a man's world to make it and that's definitely one method and I again like don't hold anything against her personally but it's actually not it it's not progressive and it's not because accommodation should be made yes exactly um and because it's it's about equity rather than equality in that capacity like we shouldn't be I understand the method and I can't say that I wouldn't attempt the same thing, mm. but it would be to my own detriment Yeah, to say like, well, I expect so I'm not going to, it's kind of like sort of concealing your child's existence yeah. in order to have the same treatment, which shouldn't have to happen. No, You should be able to say, Hey, I'm going to leave two hours early today and do two hours or do two hours work later tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come in three hours late, but I promise I'll do X Yeah, because my kids got X. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's flexible workplace arrangements. And the expectation is that you do this many hours, but if you earn your leave, you earn your leave, you take yeah. your leave. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sorry, but it's not my fault that we are the ones that carry children. Yeah. Didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for that. I prefer not to. I mean, often I think about not having children because I don't think I want to hang out with someone who's like 12 years old. <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> well, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, I love working for now mm-hmm. um and i would like the idea of a baby but i don't like the idea of having to like go to parent teacher meetings oh and shit. god that would be awful so this is really off topic but i was like a little bit tangent that i had yeah day. i went for an hour and i was like ew <laughs> you're literally creating something that you get to like what like talk about to other people like yourself also i'd be the parent that'd be like my kid's better yeah. i know i would because of course i would it's my kid and i would be convinced that my child was great i wouldn't say it but i would know wouldn't isn't it a waste of energy like engaging in like children's like 
oh, you know, birthday parties and sports and stuff. Like, what a waste of time. Sorry. (laughs) I constantly think about how much time parents spend, like, got a first birthday party to go to on the weekend. Sounds fucking awful. Yeah. And it's always the women who have to go. And then do you know the other thing? If you're – because, like, we've spoke about this before. Like, we are more likely to be the – the major breadwinners in our relationship, yes. in our respective relationships. Well, I am at the moment. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> As of Fist next bump. week. Psych. <laughs> I told yeah. someone the other day that, and they like looked at me seriously, and I was like, "Is that fucking excellent?" Like laughing, and they were like, "Oh, it's funny to you." And I was like, "Yes." Yes. What? You should be applauding. That's like what at I twenty-two, think I'm already the breadwinner by like far. No yeah, offense. that's no <laughs> psych again. <laughs> Well, until so I have until recently been earning significantly less than my boyfriend, but I have just signed the contract for a new position where I'm going to be earning more than him. And we are both like, because when that happened, when I got my contract, I was like, as a joke, I was like, phew, like balance has been restored. <laughs> but he even says that he's like, you know, I always knew that you would out earn me. And because of the like nature, our of, the different, work. Yeah. nature of the work, our different, um, even our, our like approaches, we have a fairly similar approach to work, but I don't know, just the everything. It just kind of it makes sense this way, to be honest. And like he said that he's just like, oh, like, phew, thank God that you're earning more. You're going to be earning more than me now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is kind of how it should be. And he said to the other day, he's like, I can't wait till you have enough money that you can buy me something for my business. And I was like, nice. goals. Goals. <laughs> well, that's what mine is like. Like, yeah. Oh, when will you fund my ute dream? <laughs> like, oh, ute. Dream bigger. God, I would never fund a ute dream. No, I don't like utes. What's the point of them? Honestly, if you're not, if you don't need he's it. He's not a tradie. He just wants it for like, what, camping once a year? Fuck oh, just off. rent a ute. Oh, God. Tell me about it. I'm <laughs> no, never now you have enough money shit. to Earn rent it. him a ute. Get your own job. <laughs> Um, anyway, I went on a tangent. But yeah, so in our relationships, if one parent was going to, well, I mean, likely we don't have kids, of, which is so obvious by the way that we talk about them. Ew! <laughs> Ew, a 12 year Being pregnant's like a human submarine. Oh, uh, being pregnant, it's going to be. They really are a parasite. Shook. It's going to be, I'm going to be shook by it. They literally are a parasite. Yeah, sucking all your goodness and away. Then- the, and the people think that they can touch your I belly. I can't if, imagine a birth. If one person touches my belly, I will karate chop them can in the I head. Can I ask you to touch it? Oh, I would let you if you ask. Okay. No, cool. I just mean like people People come up to you in shops and be like, oh my God, and touch your belly. That's no. so unacceptable. Especially when I would never have the confidence to know someone was pregnant. Even no, if they're about either. to pop, I'd be like, what if I <laughs> Well, apparently the best thing you should do is someone comes up to you and touches your belly in like the shops or something. You touch theirs back. That's actually really very clever. Yeah. I hate touching people, but I would do it. I would take the sacrifice. So that's it. Just a teachable moment there. Teachable moment. <laughs> um, anyway, so the point that I was trying to make, I'm getting in so many tangents, is that in our relationship, it is probably likely that it will be our partners who are taking the kids to the one-year-old's birthday. But then that's another, that's like we like a whole thing. It's like, oh my God, what a hands-on dad. Wow. It's like, so like hot. A round of applause. If if a woman thinks that my boyfriend is hot for holding his own child, <laughs> I will also karate chop them in the head. And then I'll make it, I'll probably but hold him accountable. Like, how dare you? If we're being honest, do you ever see a man pushing a pram and think it's sexy? Do you feel I don't con- think it's sexy. Do you feel conditioned to find it attractive? Yeah, I feel conditioned because I always note it. I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, no, he should it's be. It's normal. It's normal. It's beyond standard. I even feel like that when I see a man walking a dog, I'm like, that's nice. Do but you, then I'm like, no. 
do you feel this innate like urge or that men need to be thanked for doing any housework like do you feel like I tend to feel guilty when I see someone doing more housework than me when it's a man Hmm. and I don't know why and I'm like because most women do more but no one notices that or thanks them or feels guilty about not doing it but when he does more I'm like oh I'm so (laughs) awful and I'm like, why do I, do you know, do you know what I'm saying? I know what you mean, but I've, I think I've just done a lot of, I've put in a lot of effort to not feeling like this. That's the thing. Because sometimes, and I know that it's just innocent, but Nick will be like, um, say just something like, I, this is an example, hypothetical. He'll be like, oh, um, I'll do the vacuuming for you and then you can do blah. And I'm like, it's not for me. Like I always am first to, and I know that he doesn't actually mean, like I know that he knows. And now I think he says it specifically to annoy me. He's like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to unpluck the dishwasher for you. You just sit down there and relax. And I'll be, and I'll also be like, it's not for you. It's for us. Yeah. And when I do the washing, I don't do the washing for you. I do it for us. It's our washing. It's our floor. We collectively will clean it and benefit from the cleanliness yes so but i know what you mean but i just think that i have I need to spend a lot of time feeling, because it's not actually about like any way that he makes me feel or anyone makes me feel it's yeah the way I, I make myself feel when i'm like oh i feel bad yeah well it's even like thanking like thanking your live-in partner for like doing the dishes yeah i usually don't do that or i try not to yeah. or i only say it when i'm actually thankful like if i've been out and he's like done a whole bunch of housework on his own I'd be like, oh, thanks for doing the blah while I was out. Because I would expect to be doing it with him when I get home. Yes. So, But I'm not just like, oh, my God, thank you so much for, for helping me doing this. Mm. It's like not you're not helping me do it because it's not my job. But, again, I have done a lot of um, – put a lot of effort into trying to unlearn it's a very this. good point. Yes. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Okay. I feel like that's enough. That was enough, yeah. Farewell. Farewell. If you found us just totally relatable and quirky, come back next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, head to cheekmedia.com.au to tide you over until then. Bye. Goodbye.